thank God for all who have led us in worship today. We are in a sermon series called The Healing Savior. We're looking at a bunch of stories of healing from the four Gospels in the New Testament. And today we're going to look at a fascinating story in Mark chapter 5. I'll read verses 1 through 20 from the New Revised Standard Version. And the title of the sermon is A Lost Cause. Now if anybody ever tries to tell you the Bible is boring, I want you to read them this story right here. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, and when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed before him. Then he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High, God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion. For we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding. And the unclean spirits begged him, send us into the swine. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swine herds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what great mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word, help them to hear your word. 
And Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. As the disciples pulled ashore, darkness had fallen. I imagine an eerie feeling in the air as a crescent moon peeked out at them from behind a passing cloud. They heard a howling sound ring out, and suddenly a man appeared in the distance holding a rock. It was like a scene from a horror movie. The disciples had barely survived a harrowing storm on the sea just moments before, so they were already on edge when they encountered this scary stranger. The man had an unclean spirit, and he was from the tombs. Ancient cemeteries were located outside the city limits. The graves were basically caves carved into the hillside. They were usually tall enough to stand up in, so if you had no other home, you could find shelter in the tombs. Of course, you had to sleep among the corpses. Not only was this guy homeless, and not only was he living in the graveyard, but he was also wild. The Greek term translated restrained in verse 4 was often used to describe wild animals that needed to be tamed. This guy ran around naked all the time and no one could bind him. People had tried to restrain him with shackles and chains, but he was so strong that he just busted out of them. I suppose the locals had tried to subdue him because they were scared of him. I know I would have been. He was a maniac, a menace to society, a terror to the community, and an outcast in every way. All day and all night he howled among the tombs and in the mountains. On top of that, he gashed himself with rocks. As he ran toward Jesus and the disciples on the shoreline, I imagine he had a purple shiner on both eyes, lashes across his chest and gashes in both Legs. I can see the disciples scrambling back to the boat, you know, as Jesus stepped forward to greet the man. He bowed before Jesus because all the evil spirits inhabiting him knew that they had met a higher power. The two men talked and Jesus said, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. A legion was the largest unit in the Roman military, consisting of approximately 5,000 soldiers. This man was not simply under demonic influence. He was possessed by thousands of demons. 
There's no name modern Western medicine could adequately supply for this man's condition. Cosmic forces of evil had taken over his life. He couldn't even tell Jesus his own name because his entire identity was wrapped up in the legion of demons that plagued him. To review, this man was homeless, living in the graveyard, howling like a wild animal, breaking out of chains, running around naked, so strong that nobody could subdue him, and he had thousands of demons bouncing around inside of him like a pinball machine. He was deranged and destructive. He was an outcast and an outsider. His dwelling in the cemetery and his self-mutilation suggest that the demons were driving this man toward death. This man represents humanity in its most fractured form. If anyone in the history of the world was ever a lost cause, it was this guy. There was nothing anybody could do with him except for Jesus. Jesus has a way of pursuing those who are in the worst shape. He tends to take lost causes and make them found again. He cares deeply for every individual, no matter how disturbed. He loves every single person, no matter how troubled. He sees the image of God in every human being, no matter how distorted that image might be. Twelve years ago, to celebrate our fifth wedding anniversary, my wife Dana and I took a special trip to New York City. And we enjoyed the lights of Times Square, the sounds of Broadway shows, the taste of New York style pizza and the artifacts of fine museums. We had a blast. One day though, I remember as we were about to board the subway, I saw in the distance a man standing over a large trash can. He was a huge man with bulging muscles and crazy-looking eyes. He put his face down in the trash can for a couple of seconds and then came up again. Then he looked back in the trash can, stuck his face and his hands in there, and scrounged for food. I turned away because... I was repulsed, and honestly, I was a bit scared. I feel sure this guy was homeless. He was acting kind of wild. I missed the image of God in that man. Jesus wouldn't have. He didn't miss it in the wild man among the tombs. In fact, he crossed a stormy sea just to find him. After Jesus talked with him a while, he allowed the demons to exit the man and enter a herd of pigs 
grazing on a nearby mountainside. When the demons went into them, all 2,000 hogs stampeded into the sea and drowned. This may sound like an odd and unnecessary element of the story, but it confirmed for the man that the demons had left him. He was free from their torment. He was released from their occupation. It also confirmed that a key characteristic of these demons was destruction. They had led the wild man to gash himself with stones. And when they went into the pigs, animals without a herd instinct, every single one of them rushed into the sea and died. Few people are demon-possessed, but all of us deal with demonic powers that hound our lives. That's why the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the cosmic forces of evil. There are evil spirits in the atmosphere and sinful forces and structures of society that discourage us and tempt us and try to drive us toward destruction. But God wants to drive us toward life, toward love, toward healing, toward wholeness, toward caring for ourselves and other people. And Jesus is plenty powerful enough to move us in that direction. He allowed the demons to drive pigs to destruction rather than the man, which begs the question that is sometimes asked, did Jesus not care about these poor pigs? First notice, Jesus did not kill the pigs, the demons did. Second, God cares for all creatures. Jesus says in Matthew 10, not a sparrow falls from the sky without God's caring attention. Yet his main point in that passage is that human beings are more valuable than animals such as birds. We see something similar in our story. Of course Jesus cares about the 2,000 pigs, but he cares even more about the one man. This is all the more noteworthy since the man was a menace and the pigs were quite valuable. Their demise would have been costly. It probably would have put the garrison barbecue joint out of business. Jesus allowed thousands of dollars to drown with those hogs, which would have dealt a real blow to the local economy. Evidently, Jesus thought it was worth it to save one broken individual. Perhaps part of the message here is that restoring troubled members of the community is costly, but totally worth it. Jesus seems to champion the ostracized and the impoverished and the homeless 
even when it's not very good for business. Several years ago, I read a fascinating article about Hawaii. Officials in Oahu were thinking about offering homeless persons free plane tickets to fly back to the U.S. mainland. I think that since that time, they have actually implemented some type of program like this. You see, tourists don't prefer to encounter homeless people when they're trying to relax on Waikiki Beach. So the homeless population hinders the tourist industry in Honolulu, which is a huge part of the local economy. I remember when I read that article thinking that if Jesus were to show up in Hawaii, he would probably hang out with the homeless folks there. After all, he said in the Gospels, the foxes of the ground have their holes and the birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He often hung out with the least, the last, and the lowliest. So I figure he probably would live with the homeless people there and minister to them and befriend them and preach to them and draw more and more of them to wherever he was. He cares about people more than prophets. And sometimes he's not very good for business. It probably wouldn't be long before the officials in Oahu would want him to leave town. They might even offer Jesus a free plane ticket out of there. That's essentially what we see in our story. The townspeople heard from the herdsmen what all had happened, so several of them showed up at the scene. It might have been some neighbors or a couple of farmers, maybe some city authorities or county officials, I don't know, but several members of the community showed up and saw the man who used to run around howling sitting there with newfound composure. They saw the man who used to run around naked, properly clothed and looking dignified. They saw the man who used to be a raving maniac, now in his right mind. Jesus had totally transformed this man's life. He had changed him from top to bottom, head to toe, inside out, through and through. He had saved him. But the people didn't say, way to go, Jesus. You saved this man and helped our whole community. We're going to throw a rally for you in the high school gym, and the mayor is going to give you a key to the city. Nope. Instead, they said to Jesus, sir, we'd like for you to leave. The text says they were afraid. Were they afraid of Jesus' incomparable power? Were they afraid he was going to continue to sacrifice valuable resources in order to redeem people who were struggling? Were they afraid that he might transform their own lives too into lives that better reflected the kingdom of God that Jesus came to bring? Whatever the case, Jesus begins to leave. You know, he seems very agreeable in this story. The demons want to go into the pigs? Sure, go right ahead. The townspeople want him to leave? No problem. I'm out of here. But then the man whom he saved asks if he can go with Jesus. 
And Jesus refuses. This might seem odd or maybe even cruel, but it's not. Jesus knows exactly what he is doing. He sends the man home to be reintegrated into the community. He is no longer to be an outcast or an outsider. He is to be a missionary. Jesus says, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. So the man goes and tells the story of Jesus' mercy throughout the ten cities of that region. He is the first person in Mark's gospel to share the good news of Jesus Christ with Gentiles, non-Jewish people. And everybody who hears his testimony is amazed. I am too. (laughs) When the disciples saw this demon-possessed man by the lakeside, Beneath the spooky moon in the eerie darkness, they probably thought, that guy is a lost cause. But Jesus thought, what a testimony he could have. What a preacher I could make out of him. He still does similar things today. There's a man named David Hamilton who used to be a terrorist. He carried out numerous attacks for the Ulster Volunteer Force, an extremist group in Northern Ireland. He started out by getting involved in a street gang. He was involved in bank robberies, murders, and bombings. When he ended up in a Belfast prison for his crimes, He tried church. At first, he says, I didn't think God was interested in me. I was too bad. I believed that God wasn't interested in evil people. I thought it was only good people that God liked. I began to look at my life and realized God must be interested in me or he wouldn't have kept me alive. I thought if God is interested in me, then maybe he can change me. One night, David says, for the first time ever, I wanted my life changed. So I prayed and asked God to forgive me and to change my life. God answered that prayer. David became a Christian. He taught himself to read New Testament Greek until he was released from prison. He later moved to England, where in 2004, he became pastor of the Heaton Chapel Christian Fellowship. And he pastored that church for the next 11 years, and now, as I understand it, continues to preach as an evangelist. Some people might have seen David through those prison bars and thought, that guy is a lost cause. But Jesus looked at him and thought, what a testimony he could have. What a preacher I could make out of him. Jesus' love is deep enough to save anybody. 
His grace is great enough to cover any of our sins. His power is strong enough to help us in any struggle we are facing. His mercy is wide enough to embrace all who turn to him. This man with all the demons was a walking picture of death, and Jesus transformed him into a portrait of life. He did so by conquering the demonic powers of death right there on their home field, right there on their home turf, right there in the graveyard. It wouldn't be the last time either. For when Christ died on the cross for our sins, he again found himself outside the city limits. When Christ died on the cross for our sins, he again found himself in the eerie darkness as the sky went black at midday. When Christ died on the cross for our sins and they buried him, he was again found among the tombs. But on Easter morning, he stood up in there and brushed himself off and rolled away the stone and stepped out of the grave and vanquished death and its demons once and for all. Praise God for our crucified and risen Savior, the conquering King. Amen.